Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Curzon Film Podcast. I'm Jake Cunningham, and this week we haven't got a film of the week. We've got a filmmaker of the week. We are this time delving into the films of Agnes Varda for Gleaning Truths, a retrospective. And with it, I've got a round table, Karina Antropus, Beth Webb and Rowan Woods with me, who all contributed essays to a wonderful Agnes Varda website. And we're going to be talking through the films of Varda, who's got a new release, Faces Places, coming on the 21st of September. So, guys, do you want to just quickly introduce yourself? Beth, you've been on the show before. (laughs) I have indeed. I have been on here before. Um, So I'm Beth Webb. I'm a freelance writer and broadcaster, and I co-program the Bestial Test Fest with our other guest, Karina Antipas, here. Excellent. And uh, so which film have you contributed an essay for? So uh, I was actually at the launch um, last week for Gleaning Truths, where we I hosted a panel with some wonderful panellists uh, on uh, Cleo from 5 to 7. And then my essay was on Jacques Denon, which was uh, Varda's film on her late husband, um, Jacques Demy. Excellent. And also in the room, we've got your partner in crime for the Best of Test Fest, Karina Antrobus. That's right. Um, yeah, my name is Karina Antrobus. I um, co-run the Bechtel Test Fest with lovely Beth Webb here. And I contributed the essay on Faces Places. Wonderful. Which is her last, her latest film. Hopefully not the last. Hopefully not the last. (laughs) There's some life in her left. Yeah. And finally, we've got Rowan Woods as well. Um, Hi, yes, I'm a programmer. I program, I'm one half of Misc Films, uh, a programming collective dedicated to screening, theatrical screenings of rare and underscreened films. And I also program with East End Film Festival. And I contributed an essay on The Gleaners and I, um, a documentary from 2000. Yes, not as the website might make you believe that 1985. No, not 1985, (laughs) no. Excellent. So I'll just give you a quick background on Gleaning Trues for those that don't know about this new season. Uh, So this is going to allow venues across the UK and Ireland to exhibit and engage with these new restorations of eight of Agnes Varda's films, all leading up to the release of Faces Places in September. This has all been set up by a few members of the Curzon team and we're excited to bring all these films into the cinema and to be able to put these essays together which are all available on the website there's actually one for every film and we've got the three of you in here to talk about yours as well but let's go back a bit further in time because actually the three of you have kind of written essays about the more of the later stage Varda. Uh, Beth 
you, as you mentioned, you were at the launch of the Gleaning Truths, which was uh, around Clear from five to seven. It wasn't her first film, um, but let's step back in time to that early work, maybe. And Le Pont Court and Varda before she became a filmmaker that we know and love. Sure, yeah. No, so, um, so yeah, it was a wonderful event um, last week. And the film, it was a lot of people's first Vardas. Um, I think yourself yes, first included. Um, so she comes from a photographic background and she made Le Pont Court in her... Um, sort of mid-twenties, ahead of the boys of New Wave, I mm. will point out. So before your Demise, before your Truffauts. Um, well, uh, this, in my first A-level film class, the French New Wave was the first module that I had. Not a mention. Mm. Yeah, this is it. And she's been deemed, like, which I find hugely unfair, she's been deemed, the, well, she was deemed the grandmother of New Wave well before grandmotherly age and she was well ahead of, of them of Goddard um, she made the film a good few years before that um, and then she kind of you know got so Cleo from, from 5 to 7 was actually made because Goddard recommended her to a financer um, who wanted um, to make another kind of undiscovered film after Breathless came out um, Goddard's film um, so because of that uh, from Cleo from 5 to 7 came about um and you can really i mean the the panel that we did was on kind of the female gaze fashion and film um but it also lends itself to kind of vida's uh, photographic gaze which is is so prominent in the film um it really does um set off um so a little bit of context about clear from five to seven it's set in real time supposedly i mean that's not really been vida says it is I'm not going to argue with her, but... <laughs> <laughs> it feels it. It does feel it. It certainly it's does. It's an all-encompassing day. Uh, yeah, mm. and, it, and it follows a, a popular songstress um, as she walks around the city um, waiting to hear whether she's been diagnosed with cancer or not. And I think this is a really uh, a really great example of how Vada takes... Not necessarily... I mean, it was probably taboo at the time that the film came about, but it dealt with death and disease in a young, beautiful woman. Um, and I think that's kind of recurrent throughout her work. But it's also worth noting that she makes such a celebration out of things like death mm. and things like abortion. I think when you think about cinematic attitudes towards that, and then um, she goes and make a, like a big MGM musical out of one. Um, so it's, it's certainly worth noting that she takes these... Um, very delicate and and sometimes not very much discussed topics and turns them into these big, beautiful, very personal pieces of work. Mm. There's a lot of nodding going around the room <laughs> oh, uh, throughout I that. Um, yeah, I think every, I've, I've loved Cleo and I, I've gotten some big smiles yeah. over here. Likewise, and it's also one of those... Um, really really great films about about the city yeah. i love you can really feel her background in uh, in photography and it's got this really um wonderful formal composition that almost makes it surprising as well that she had prior to making her first film the point court she had no background in filmmaking at all yeah. and actually she says had hardly ever see you know she's only seen a handful of films and wasn't sort of immersed in cinephile culture um in criticism and in programming in the way that a lot of her new wave contemporaries were but something like um cleo from five to seven feels like it's the arrival of such a precise formal kind of cinematic uh vision mm. um i find it it's it's a really really stunning stunning film yeah, yeah the, the form of it is completely remarkable. There's a, there's a number of these kind of gliding, tracking dolly shots. I don't even know how they're moving the camera as fluidly as they are. And it just feels like you're, you're, you are her just walking around Paris at points. And it's this amazing travelogue wrapped around this narrative. And uh, I think 
that ties a lot into her documentary eye and that's more in the realm of the films that we've got you three in to talk about as well uh, so we will jump straight back to Beth I'm afraid uh, I know you mentioned <laughs> I'm afraid yeah. <laughs> what does um, that mean but, well I think it ties in nicely to what you're saying about this this presence of death this celebration of death yes. um, that's kind of running through the films and that definitely ties into the film that you were writing about for the Gleaning Truths essays as well absolutely and I think it's great actually where you're talking about things like the Dolly shots um, so Jacquardino, um begins with this really sweeping um, tracking shot which follows a, a young Young um, Jack, as he's running through his father's garage, um, and it's such a detriment to her um, her loyalty to filmmaking and really rolling up her sleeves and getting things done. So they didn't have; they obviously had to rush um, making the film. So the film came into production after they realised that Jacques Demy uh, unfortunately had contracted AIDS, um, and so they realised that time was limited. So she galvanised instead of you know wallowing, she galvanised this big um, crew. Um, they got three cinematographers to sort of work in shifts and they went and tracked down her, his father's original garage to film Jacquard de Nantes. And she really felt that a tracking shot was the only way to begin the film. They didn't have the equipment, so they went over to another film shoot, which was going on not too far away, the only other film shoot going on in sort of this radius, and sort of bullied them into giving her this crane so that she could go and do this tracking shot so they had the perfect start to this film. So I think, I think this film says so much about her. I mean, all of her films... You're, you're basically looking at her insides without being too gross when you see an Agnes Varda film because she lends so much and she gives so much of herself to these films. And this, to me, feels like the most personal of them all. It's such a like bittersweet act of remembrance. So she had Jacques on set with her, sort of overseeing the production as it was going on. Sometimes he was too ill to kind of be on set and to, to help exec produce, but um, he'd be there with his family and his family would help to... Um, fill them in on things that perhaps he had trouble remembering um, and it's 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 one of her longer films and it's one of her it wasn't really made for the public so it might not be the most accessible necessarily but I think as an act of filmmaking and as an act of marriage um, as well so he, he actually died unfortunately after shooting had finished but before post-production had started so um, she was there in this editing suite um, there's a really great if, if you get a chance to, to watch any of the special features around the film um, she describes in an interview um, how she was just working in the editing suite just in, in floods of tears because obviously her husband had died but they hadn't paused production and she just had him in front mm. of her moving around the frame as if he was still alive so if you think about that when you're watching the film and you don't you know, feel completely overwhelmed. Um, yeah, I I hadn't seen it, and I read your essay, and I got a bit teary just reading that. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm, I know I'm going to struggle through the film. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one of a kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. 
Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Yeah. I absolutely adore this film. Mm. I think possibly it's my it's my absolute favorite and also such a great film about um about filmmaking um and about the birth of the birth of cinephilia um and you see her recreate the young jacques you know going to the cinema and starting to make his first home movies and it's i mean it almost reminded me of something like son of rambo <laughs> which i know isn't it but just in terms of the, the kind of this joyous sort of playful love of um love of cinema um yeah i think it's really a really really gorgeous film and as you say also a wonderful um uh, tribute and sort of act of love just from reading your essay, Beth, it seems that there's she has a real ability of just highlighting details almost by accident and this way that something might stretch out a moment that it feels like a minute long of just holding on something. And I think we see that in Cleo as well, the way that time kind of expands and contracts throughout. Mm. Um, and I think that, that kind of leads us into The Gleaners and I, which I, uh, as much as it's began as a documentary for her, it's a, a journey of her own craft as well. Mm. Absolutely. Um, so The Gleaners and I, I think... It's interesting. It's probably her best loved film in terms of in terms of the response that she she had to it. Um, but it's absolutely a, a film both about it's a documentary about well, or rather it begins as a documentary about gleaning, um, which is a practice that's enshrined in French law, whereby um, after the harvest is finished, people were allowed to go and pick up the remains from from the ground, um, and that is all. That tradition has always existed in French society, and Varda starts by exploring that, and then from that sort of goes outward to to explore the way that gleaning exists in contemporary French society now, whether that's through people um you know scavenging in bins um or whether it's uh kind of as a uh, sort of salvaging as an artistic practice um but it's, it's as much a portrait of Varda as an as an artist as it is it is about about this practice of gleaning and she compares her own artistic process to the process of gleaning whereby she goes and she um salvages little bits of information little portraits of people little uh, moments and fashions it into a wider into a wider narrative um and i think it's also as much about um her coming to terms with 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 her age and with the passage of time um as it as, as it is as as much as anything else mm what I love about um, seeing Varda now and seeing her in Gleaners and um, just clips throughout well, the last 60, 70 years is that she's always embracing this new technology mm -hmm. as well. That She's always quite happy to uh, throw herself in with, what it, was it mini-DV in yeah, Gleaners yeah. and I? And which seems like the least cinematic form to make something of. And, it yeah. just, and as you say in your essay, it's got this wonderful home video feel, but not in an amateur way at all. Well, in some ways it does. It's sort of, it, it's quite kind of grainy and there are moments where it's, um, you know, slightly kind of pixelated or where she forgets to put the lens cap back on, back on the camera. <laughs> um, and so in some ways it feels quite sort of ramshackle um, and it, it doesn't have this kind of um, cinematic formalism that something like Cleo does. But it has this amazing kind of agility and the fact that she's shooting on, on digital allows her to... To, to really kind of play up the sort of the playful side of her of, of her filmmaking, and I think it also allows her access 
to people that she wouldn't necessarily have been able to interview otherwise, or perhaps who wouldn't have been so forthcoming if she'd have turned up with a big crew and said, you know, you're you're, you're living rough on the streets. Let me let, let's talk yeah. about your experience. Um, so it's a re- it's a real kind of leveling. Uh, leveling tech te- yeah. technique, um, but it's amazing to see someone uh, in, in her in her seventies as, as she was at the time, um, embracing new technology in that in that sort of way. It's obviously not, but there are these moments of almost accidental purity to it. I know Beth uh, in Shackleton, you said there's this resting on a wedding ring. Yeah, yeah, so there's these really intimate moments where, um, and this also lends itself to kind of her her choices in in equipment and things, where she just she didn't have a viewfinder or anything, so she just went in blind as such. So, um, so she's filming uh, Shaq to me on a beach, uh, which is upon his insistence because he knows how important beaches are to Agnes Varda, which is a big theme of hers as well as cats, obviously. Um, and um, yeah, so she's sort of just just gets right up on him for yeah. one of a more technical term that she wants to create this almost uncomfortable level of intimacy where she kind of runs the camera over his you know his mottled skin and his the hairs on the back of his hand and a lot of the time resting on his wedding ring and you only really see her in the film once and it's with her hand on his shoulder with her wedding ring on the back and it's resting in the same way that his mother does in in his earlier life um well going back to that uh, the technology and her kind of throwing herself into it a couple of years ago she Agnes Varda signed up for Instagram on the recommendation of JR yes. and, and I think uh, <laughs> f- that leads us into Faces Places which I think she, she's firmly put herself in the 21st century world with this one Yeah absolutely I think it's I think uh, everything that you're saying about how she's embraced technology throughout her years even though she's you know, well into her 90s now she's still able to be fascinated and curious about how we as people are deciding to express ourselves and capture ourselves and then present it um, in all the different mediums and yeah she's fascinated with Instagram but she is aware of how how much it can be overindulged in Um, and I loved watching as well in The Gleaners and I again going back to what you're saying about the images of her using the camera and like breaking that fourth wall and um, and even if you look back and listen to her talking about her very early days and she was a photographer, her fascination in people and making those images and wanting to make those images move led her into wanting to make films. So she's always had this innate fascination and desire and natural-born talent, if you like, to record and present and represent people, especially those that don't necessarily get the representation that they deserve or the mainstream media decide to put out there mm. i'm almost going full circle uh, from her studying photography now to making a film yeah. about it really as well yeah absolutely but yeah it was it's it's great because she's also what i what i loved most about um faces places was this cross-generational conversation that's going on with jr who's like 36 35 and herself and yet they're still able to have a language that transcends the gap that they have they're still able to connect with the fact that they're both fascinated with people and they want normal in inverted commas people to be able to be represented and presented in into culture um and i think that's a lot in my essay i talk a lot about how they are connecting on that so jr's work is uh, so event essentially he was also just a vagabond if you like in in the city of Paris and he was uh, a graffiti artist and he found a camera on one of his journeys with his friends and he just started taking pictures of it it was just a cheap little camera and um 
he took photos and they developed them and then he wanted to give them back to the people that he took the photos of and then the rest was history. He basically spent the rest of his career taking more photos and putting them up and blowing them up really large and putting them on landscapes so that people could see and giving the, their images back to the city, if you like. Um, and if anybody who's watched even one Agnes Varda film knows that that's exactly the essence of what Agnes is about. She wants to present those that may otherwise fall through the cracks. Mm. Um, and again, with Gleaners and I, that is essentially the essence of the Gleaners and I as well. We're talking about things that fall through the cracks that people see as waste, that she sees as beauty. Um, so, yeah, I just love this romance, cinematic romance that was going on between these two incredible artists and to create this really interesting, very easy to watch, but very deep, meaningful documentary. Mm. And so we've, we've kind of gone on this chronology through a few films here. And um, there was actually a retrospective in Canada, in Toronto, last year uh, for Agnes's work, which had the, the re name of that retrospective uh, was Radical Kindness, mm. uh, which I thought was a really lovely name and is a nice uh, kind of through line through all these works as well. And I'm wondering, along with uh, perhaps any of the other films, um, what other maybe interlinking themes you might find throughout this work and what people might expect to find if they travel throughout Gleaning Truths as well? I think one of the um, things that perhaps we haven't touched on but I think is relevant to, to every single film that we're talking about and actually throughout so much of her work is um, is a kind of playful, uh, play, playing with form. Mm -hmm. um, and I think she, the way in so many films she combines both um, drama and also doc documentary and certainly in something like, I mean, The Gleaners is more of a straightforward, straightforward documentary although it sort of, it, it, it takes many forms but something like, I mean, I mean, even even Cleo or Le Point Court um, have a, uh, a sort of a dramatic narrative as well as something uh, around the outsides that feels like a kind of ethnographic portrait of a of, of a place. And I think that um, uh, the sort of interweaving of different formal uh, formal ideas and different formal techniques is something that you find you find throughout her filmography. Yeah, I think it's. I mean, like, I think she's described it herself as kind of it's like doc realism, like documentary realism with like theatrical performances, um, which I think is so lovely that she's able to embellish on the everyday. Um, and something else I, I really appreciate is how she she appreciates authenticity. So she really does sort of remain true to a, a place and a space that she is filming within. You know, she she tends to hire um, unscripted people to exist within. Um, within her scenes. I know with um, Cleo from 5 to 7, a lot of the the sort of extras, well, they weren't extras, they were just people sort of walking around that she kind of coerced to be in this film that just happened to be within that space at the time. Mm. Um, so I think she's got this real sense of authenticity and, and a, a huge amount of respect for um, the subjects and the the spaces that she, she mm. films within. Mm. Absolutely. She definitely sees the beauty in everyday life. And I think she said something about the best drama you can see is just sitting by the side of a road and watching people walk by and people watching is my favourite hobby just sitting, having a coffee and just watching people and I really, really got that from my first watch of Clear 5-7 to seven. it really indulged my love of watching people and watching people just talk to one another and all the noises that, and all the clatters and the mini conversations that are going on within the cafe I just loved that, it was a Sort of mini happy chaos, but I was like, I recognise that, and this here's the here's what we are 
experiencing through Agnes's eyes and that's what she enjoys doing and I enjoy doing that as well. But yeah, she certainly sees the beauty in everyday people. She sees the celebrity in everyday people and it doesn't have to be this, you know, when when she, when she was talking about going into rural France to do um, Faces Places, which, by the way, had no script, no real, um, no real ambition other than to make a film. She didn't even know JR very well at all. Two people just like let's make a film. We don't know what we're going to... Well, they didn't even know they were going to make a film. It could have been anything. But two years later, Faces Places came about and it was just really, like I was saying, it was really the essence of how much these people look at how important it is to make sure that the everyday man becomes somebody that we can all appreciate and see the beauty in. She's also a wonderful portraitist of, of women. Mm. Um, if you think of um, mm. uh, Cleo in uh, Cleo from Five to Seven or Mona in um, in Vagabond, yeah. um, and the or, widows in Faces Places, as yeah, well. Yeah, absolutely. Or um, or one sings and the other and the other doesn't. Um, or, or in fact, even even of her of, of herself. You know, so mm. ma- so many mm. of, of, of particularly these later sort of essay documentaries are in some ways portraits of uh, of Agnes Varda as much as as much as anything else. Brilliant. Well, if you want to explore these portraits of Varda, you can do so on the Gleaning Truths programme. Uh, that covers La Court, Cleo from 5 to 7, Le Bonheur, One Sings, The Other Doesn't, Vagabond, uh, what we've talked about today, uh, Jacques Denon, The Gleaners and I. You've also got The Beaches of Agnes and, of course, Faces Places, which is out on the 21st of September. And we will be dedicating a whole new episode of the podcast to that film as well. Uh, if you can't make it to any cinemas to watch any of these, they are nationwide. Um, but you can get them on demand as well by visiting Curzon Home Cinema. And all of the films I've just mentioned are on there. Uh, also on there, you've still got Apostasy, the film by Daniel Cocatello, uh, that's gone down really well, really impressive British debut. And we've actually got an interview with Daniel on this very podcast. So if you go back a few episodes, you'll be able to find that. Last week, we released a Q&A with the team behind Love and Friendship. Uh, so that was featuring Whit Stillman, the writer and director, along with Tom Bennett, the breakout star of that film, uh, who you might recognise from Phone Shop and the David Brent film extremely funny guy incredible performance uh, so go back and listen to that Q&A and go and watch the film on Home Cinema 2 if you've not seen it and if you've got any thoughts on any of the films that we've mentioned from the Gleaning Truth seasons we'd love to have you email us you can do so at podcast at curzon.com and we'll read those out in the coming weeks or if you've already been lucky enough to see Faces Places do email us about that and we'll save that for September um, but that's about it for the Gleaning Truths episode. I just want to say thank you to Rowan, Karina and Beth for coming along and chatting through these and sending your essays in in the first place. They're all brilliant and there are six more essays that you can find online and you just find them at agnesvada.co.uk. We got that URL. <laughs> um, um, it's not just those essays you guys have done. I'm sure there's other places that people can find you too. Yeah, so if you follow me um, at Beth K. Webb on Twitter... And I am Karina Karina at Twitter. And you can follow Bettel Test Fest at Bettel Test Fest. We're on all the usual social media platforms. And you guys, you're taking part in Gleaning Truths as well with yeah. a special event. Yeah, we were honoured enough to team up for the launch um, at Curzon Soho last week, which was great. And we're taking... Uh, <laughs> what's the film that we're doing? Oh, my, oh my God. So we'll, watch, we'll be doing a special um, Bechtel partnered event at Watershed in Bristol, um, which is the Gleaners and I. 
Yes, and that's going to be one of our first Bechdel Test Fest events outside of London. So we're really excited. We're going that. regional. And yeah. We're very <laughs> excited. <laughs> and if people want more Rowan Woods, where can they find that? Uh, they can find more Rowan Woods on Twitter <laughs> at Rowan Woods. And a bit of Misk Films <laughs> as well, maybe. Um, yes, and, and, if, and if, if they want, um, if they want some of my curation work, um, yeah, uh, we're <laughs> of course they do. Um, we're also on Twitter at Misk M I S C underscore underscore Films, um, and our next event is. Is a very natural companion piece to Agnes Varda. Actually, <laughs> um, we're doing a. Um, uh, it's the second half of our Kevin Costner season. Uh, we're screening Bull Durham in uh, the Regent Street Cinema in London on the twenty-first of August. Wonderful. And I'm going to do a plug myself. Actually, sorry. <laughs> if you if you haven't had enough of me on your podcasts, uh, I would recommend checking out a new show called Ghibliotech which is all about the films of Studio Ghibli and this Friday uh, we've actually got a special guest to talk about my neighbour Totoro and that is Beth Webb It was a lot of fun I'm very (laughs) excited to hear it back Uh, So yeah, uh, look out for that in your feeds as well. Next week we're talking about Xavier Beauvoir's uh, The Guardians Uh, It's not a prequel to a space opera, it's actually just a new art house European film Um, but you can check that out as well thanks so much for listening, see you next time Even when we're on a budget we still deserve nice things Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.